everyone, and welcome to part two of the episode with Maseo. My name is Adon, and Sarai is my favorite sibling. <laughs> Today's episode is all about common nutrition misconceptions. If you have not listened to last week's episode on veganism, I highly recommend you do so. On this episode, Sarai and Maseo discuss everything from sugar to artificial sweeteners to organic food. And now I'll turn it over to my sister. I hope you enjoy. Follow Feed Feed HV on TikTok. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Ineffable Goodness podcast. I hope everyone is doing well and is safe and hopefully mostly healthy. I know in Connecticut, COVID is crazy, so most of us are just in our homes right now. Today's episode is part two of the conversation with Maceo, my brother, and our last episode for those who did not tune in was all about veganism uh, and the moral and ethical dilemmas within that as well as the talking about the ways veganism is often viewed as synonymous with whiteness uh, as well as a multitude of other things. And today we are talking about nutrition Maceo is such a wealth of knowledge in regards to nutrition as he has read so, so much. Um, And so I'm really excited to dive in and ask him a bunch of questions. I would like to begin by just sharing something that I found on Instagram. A lot of the information that I've received about nutrition in general from uh, everything from like what you need to eat as a vegan, whatever that means, to like, is sugar bad for you, is all um, from Instagram, whether it's correct or not. But it's what I, for the last five years, to te- five to ten years, have sort of grown up thinking and believing. And this one Instagram account, Rachel's Good Eats, who admittedly, my mom and I do her workouts, which are really good. She, for years, has been posting this seven-day sugar detox and I was just talking about it with Maceo before the episode, uh, and we both agree that it should be the beginning of the episode as it will prompt our discussion going forward. So for context, she has over 600,000 followers, uh, and she posts like fitness and food, and she's a registered dietitian. And so she writes on her Instagram story, starting Monday, I'm doing the sugar detox. Who's joining me? Looking to get more energy, have less cravings, reduce brain frog, improve digestion, and improve gut health. And the funny thing, uh, among others, is that this person she shares asks her, like, what do I do? I put uh, almond milk creamer in my coffee, and I feel like I can't give it up. How do I replace it if I want to be part- join the sugar detox? And Rachel responds saying, just make your own cashew milk at home and add a few dates. Um, which Maseo and I were laughing at because, of course, dates is sugar. She's doing a sugar detox, and she has this idea that dates are better than white sugar, uh, but doesn't really ever explain why. Anyways, so we're going to be thinking about that and more today. So if that piques your interest, please keep listening. I'm so excited to have Maseo on yet again and can't wait for our conversation today. Let's get started. Hi, Maseo. Welcome back to the Ineffable Goodness podcast. Second day in a row. How are you feeling? How was your sleep? Um, I had, I had a pretty good sleep. I was actually uh, woken up by uh, you, Sarai, so that's <laughs> nice. Um, 
So yeah, the, you know, sleep's a little bit of a... He, that was a joke. He wasn't actually woken up by me. I was. That's okay. So, you know... It's just because my voice carries. There's good and bad mornings, so it's kind of like... I never really know like what time I'm going to wake up, but this morning wasn't great. But that's okay. What time did you wake up? Exactly. 8, 8.30. Girl, you should have been up by then anyways. Anyway. Whatever. Anyway, for those who have not yet listened to part one of our podcast, Maseo... Um, Please briefly introduce yourself, share about, share a little bit about your story, uh, and when you became interested in nutrition. If you, if you can remember if there was a pivotal moment where you were like, oh, this is really interesting to me, or oh, I really care about this. Okay, so yeah, I think my interest in nutrition was definitely at first misguided and um, came from not the most reliable sources, um, and I think what will some of the stuff that we'll talk about today is kind of um, very similar to where I first got my information from. But, um, yeah, I th- okay, so I first, like, started listening to uh, a couple, like, influencers and YouTubers that would kind of talk about, talked about kind of how to optimize your health um, with, like, intermittent fasting and... Um, like cutting out sugar and all this different stuff. And I think ultimately it was connected to a larger, um, more problematic issue of like a whole like, uh, disordered eating behaviors and stuff. But ever like since then it's, um, adapted and transitioned more towards like a genuine interest in how what we eat affects our body, our bodies from like a biological perspective, um, and I've really made an effort to find um, credible information and um, follow influencers who are science science based and don't just like pull shit out of their asses. So it's definitely been a journey, but I feel like um, I I am getting my information from really credible sources and uh, I stay pretty up to date on the newest research um, in terms yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, and this is a you know you don't have to answer this but do you at all feel like or do you feel like your interest in nutrition is a hundred percent contingent on the fact that you had or the uh, it contingent on your eating disorder in other words, do you think you would have been interested in nutrition as much as you are had you not had that? Or do you think that that was sort of the vehicle for your... Yeah, no, for sure. I think that definitely my interest was sparked in like... Just started because of my eating disorder. Um, but like I said, it's... I definitely moved away from that disordered mindset. And I'm like... I can say confidently that all the information I have absorbed and I like preach now it comes from like truly scientific uh sources and you know just like widely recognized um facts as mm-hmm. of now. awesome very cool so like we were just talking about a few minutes before we started recording this episode of the Rachel Goodeat seven day sugar detox there was also this this celebrity nutritionist Kelly Levesque who does uh her like philosophy is the fab four smoothie so she does proteins carbs fats um, and greens and that's like the recipe for it increases satiety it reduces hunger um elongates your blood sugar whatever 
And so she says, and uh, I remember as somebody who was very much, you know, deeply entrenched in this eating disorder world. In other words, I had an eating disorder. It was, it was, it's so easy to just listen to all of these people who have like RD attached to their name or even if they don't and be like, oh yeah, I'll try that. So for somebody like me, a few years ago, I was like, oh yeah, the Fab Four smoothie. You know, Kelly Levesque said no more than a quarter cup of fruit in your smoothie um, or else your blood sugar would just spike and then crash and basically serve no purpose. So I would do smoothies with like cauliflower and zucchini and water, which were totally disgusting. And then regarding Rachel Goodeats, I also remember I was just telling Maceo embarking on these seven day sugar detox journeys, which not only were hard, but they were also just not fun. And I never remember really feeling any different afterwards. No added sugar, I should say, even though she does say that you have to limit or you should limit your fruit sugar intake to two servings a day. So that is all to say that today, obviously there's so many things we can talk about. There's a lot of common nutrition misconceptions, but I would like to start with these two today, sugar and organic food. So let's start answering some very basic questions, Maseo, if that's all right with you. Uh, is sugar bad for you? Um, okay, so before answering any of these questions, I do want to make sure that I note that nutrition is not finite. And in other words, we're constantly learning and adapting our knowledge and understanding. Um, like science is a process of creating knowledge that can never be com- completed once and for all, right? So science and scientists can really only disprove hypothesis, but never know the truth about anything. So I think it's important that we note that this is, right now, what I'm saying now is just going to be our most modern mm-hmm. uh, take on what the evidence suggests. Right. And you're also not a I'm, dietitian, nutritionist, right. doctor. You're just I, a very well 18 year old. Yeah. 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 Right. So, sorry, I totally forgot the question. Yeah. Is sugar so, bad for you? Well, I, well, yeah. I mean, first of all, I wanted you to, I was curious if you could speak to uh, Rachel and Kelly and okay. also, and then talk about like, basically answer the question, is sugar bad for you and why does everyone think it is? Okay. So I think the best way to answer this question, uh, I think it's important that we first recognize that no food is bad for you in the sense that there's not one single food that will do serious damage to your health, right? You don't like, you're not going to eat a brownie and like die. Um, and I think there's a lot of fear mongering that occurs in the nutrition space, making certain foods out to be almost like poisonous, poisonous or toxic. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that even the most highly processed items in a supermarket, like Twinkies, aren't going to be detrimental to your health. You're not, you know, there's no serious um, implications to them. And I think the biggest thing I've learned in my research on nutrition and uh, certain claims is that you have to look at everything very holistically, Mm -hmm. which is why it's always problematic to isolate and analyze one individual food. Uh, The reality is that we eat a myriad of foods throughout the day. We're not eating isolated foods during a meal. So, you know, when, when you see influencers picking out one food and calling it bad, it doesn't really make sense because people aren't eating one food. Right. Um, so, so with that out of the way, um, when caloric intake is accounted for in the, in, and the individual is in energy balance, meaning they are not consuming too many or too few calories, sugar itself does not seem to be bad for you, meaning it's not inflammatory, it doesn't make you magically fat or instantly cause cancer. 
So if I were to be a contrarian and be like, well, I mean, I think in the majority of people you talk to, they'll say either sugar's bad for you or, you know, obviously everything in moderation. But I, I could imagine somebody saying, and honestly, I'm sure I've done this before, like, okay, what if you eat, you know, five Twinkies a day or like, like can I basically, can I have as many, in this case, Twinkies as I want? Is that okay since sugar isn't bad for me? Yeah, so that's that's something else that's really hard, which makes the research uh, and nutrition very difficult to distinguish because there is this problem of uh, correlation versus causation. You know, oftentimes there'll be studies done on individuals who who are like morbidly obese and also happen to eat a lot of sugar, and then the conclusion of that study is. If you eat a lot of added sugar, then you're going to have all these health implications. So it's hard to isolate these single causes. You know, it's hard to blame one nutrient or like just sugar for right. um, uh, like all the problems. But like I said earlier, like as long as you're in that energy balance, like if a, if you have a professional cyclist biking 20 miles a day, it would be unhealthy for them not to ultimately they need a lot of energy to replace the energy they're expending right. so um no i mean i don't know how else to answer it like yeah. no it's not unhealthy i think the main thing for me like the 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 big the thing that i remember most is when i was talking to you about soda and mm. i was basically like so you're telling me that if somebody drank soda every single day they would be fine and you were like if they're like, you know, active, moving their bodies and eating nutrient dense foods, otherwise, right. then yeah, right. they'll be fine. Right. And for me, that was really, I was sort of in shock because you basically were like, you can have a bunch of cups of soda and be okay in that state. Right. Right. It's all like I said earlier. It's all you have to look at the person's diet like holistically. You can't just right. say like, and I and I think that's another problem. Like we we have these ideas that these foods are like really bad for our health. Um, and like, it's kind of hard to imagine that someone could drink soda every day and still be healthy, um, or even multiple times a day, but it really, you have to take in a, take into account their lifestyle, you know, how much they're exercising. Um, and, and that, that will determine a lot. So on that note, I know that you drink diet sodas and use artificial sweeteners. So if sugar is not bad for you, why do you drink diet soda and use artificial sweetener? So, so yeah, artificial sweeteners are not bad for you. There's been a lot of fear-mongering and studies um, that mostly the studies that get people are conducted on rats in extremely, extremely high doses that humans, even if we wanted to, we could never consume that much. Um, and the reality is, I think it's like, like 50 cans of Diet Coke a day is like the... Um, acceptable daily intake the adi um which is like considered safe but yeah so artificial is that the american diabetes assist no no acceptable daily intake oh yeah no awkward <laughs> anyway um why do i drink diet soda so <laughs> why are you looking at me so i'm just gonna say this very bluntly and sugar ultimately is a are empty calories um meaning they don't provide any nutritional benefit whatsoever they're just pure energy and 
that's all they are. And so if you look at your diet um, from having like a caloric allowance every day and you spend that allowance on empty calories that provide no nutritional benefit, that's ultimately calories that you could spend on foods that do have nutritional benefits. So when I drink artificial sweeteners um, or add Splenda to my coffee, um, it's because they do not take up any, like I'm not using any of my money in this uh, allowance analogy, right? Because they, they don't have any calories. So, um, or very few. So, um, I guess I drink artificial sweet and I, I drink like diet soda because it, it doesn't take up space in that allowance. So empty calories are just foods that have high caloric value, but low nutritional value. They don't have to necessarily have high caloric value, just having no nutritional value. So like we think of like Twinkies or cookies or... And that's not nutritionally dense because... There's just nothing. There's no vitamins or minerals that we're going to get from that. So I think it's hard because you and I come from like a disordered eating kind of background. And I think there are people that this information could genuinely genuinely apply to and help. I don't think it's inherently problematic to some sources of food have more nutritional value than others. But like you and I had just talked about, the word allowance feels mm-hmm. so restrictive yeah, to me. Yeah, totally. And I get, I totally get how that's, you know, I get the connotations that come with that. And it's not, when I say empty calories, I don't mean that they don't have, just to clarify, it doesn't mean they don't have any calories. It just means that, you know, the sources that you're getting from provide no real nutrition. Uh, for example, like you have like a 300 calorie cookie versus a 300 calorie protein bar right um in that in that scenario the cookie would be empty calories whereas the protein bar would provide protein and then other vitamins and minerals hopefully why do you think then like where do you think that the fear-mongering or the idea that that artificial sweeteners are bad for you came from i think i've thought about this a lot i think that people I think the first thing that came, the the thing that came first was, you know, us identifying regular soda as detrimental to your health. Mm -hmm. And then when diet sodas came out, I, I don't know. Part of me thinks that like people are like, this is too good to be true. Like we shouldn't be able to have this such a similar taste and there be no negative health consequences. I think that in combination with this, this, uh, natural naturalistic fallacy, which I'll probably touch on later, just the the idea that anything artificial or synthetic automatically is bad for your health, and you know things like that GMOs, are, for example, right, and things that are natural must be better for you because they're natural. Whatever that means, right? So, just to clarify for people listening, you're saying that sugar is not bad for you. That said, sugar is not good for you. Right. 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 So therefore, eating, or rather drinking, or or consuming sugary beverages, sugary foods for you, mm-hmm. feels like because it is a neutral right. substance, right. it is worth it for you to have it as an artificial sweetener, right? Because you'd rather quote unquote use your caloric allowance on nutritionally beneficial things. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, I do want to say like there are scenarios where sugar could be good for you. Obviously, if you're you know stuck on a desert island. You'd rather have sugar than nothing. It still does provide calories. And we need some sugar, don't we? No. 
Yeah. Really? No. Oh. Just for general like nutrition information, the only two macronutrient nutrients that we do like do need to survive uh, is fat and protein, right? Which is why and carbs. Keto. For me, the always whenever I did like had done research previously on why our sweeteners are bad for you, it's always t- told me like it tricks your brain into thinking that oh this is so sweet. It basically gives you a, your your mouth or your brain or some whatever mm-hmm. a false perception of like what mm-hmm. sweet is. I don't know if that's true or not, mm-hmm. but so then people are always like oh then they're gonna be worried that when you actually have sugar, you're gonna want it to be sweeter and sweeter and sweeter because artificial sweeteners are so sweet. Mm-hmm. Like intolerance. Kind yeah, of thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. Um, or if you, like, even Adon, Adon's our brother, our younger brother at dinner yesterday. He's been engaging in the consumption of a lot of uh, diet sodas, which I guess the name in and of itself is kind of harmful. But, and he took a sip. He actually finished a bo- uh, a glass of a diet birch beer or whatever. And then he took a sip of something else, some sweet something, and was like, oh, it tastes like water. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, I have found that, like, that my tolerance for sweetness has gone up. Like, even with sugar or just with artificial sugar? Well, I just, I, I find myself, like, I don't want to drink plain water. You put me, he puts Mio in his water, which I cannot stand. Yeah, I put Mio in my water. But, I mean, it's not that I won't have plain water like I do if I'm really thirsty, but I'd, I'd always right. prefer to have sweet something. We are going to segue now and talk about... Common nutrition misconceptions. I'm going to ask you a question or say something, and you have to explain either why it's correct, why it's wrong, whatever. Okay. Uh, are carbs bad for me? Um, no. Do, do I have to elaborate? Carbs are not bad for you. They're one of three macronutrients. So we have carbs, proteins, and fats. Um, and I guess you could count alcohol as its own separate category, but... Um, no, carbohydrate, carbohydrates are not bad for you. Um, why do they? Why do people think they're bad? I think that the misconception comes from the fact that they're in a lot of foods that um, you know are seen as junk foods, like pizza and pasta and soda and you know that kind of stuff. But the reality is that as much as the word moderation has its own baggage, everything and you know. As long as you're having carbs in moderation, nothing bad will happen to you. You'll be okay. So is it true that you should focus on like that? Okay, if you're saying carbs is okay, that's great. Should I now focus on the type of carb that I'm eating? Mm, So in other words, if I eat eat white, you know, whatever, angel spaghetti versus quinoa Mm -hmm. or buckwheat, Mm -hmm. is that all the same? It's not all the same, but like I said in the beginning, you have to think about everything um, you know, as like an entire meal. If you have white pasta, but then you have chickpeas and uh, tomato sauce and spinach, you know, you're getting fiber from the chickpeas and protein from the chickpeas. Um, so it's, it's less significant. If you look at two different foods, like isolated, like, you know, white pasta and quinoa, okay, then we can say quinoa is probably marginally healthier, but, uh, the reality is that no one ever consumes, hopefully, quinoa or rice just plain. So um, you have to look at the entire meal. I understand what you mean by looking at things holistically and also when we're talking in regards to uh, like sugar consumption, carbon yeah. whatever it may be. Every, yeah. You know, everyone is different. Every, But I also think that encouraging a holistic 
few also, at least for me, Mm -hmm. makes me hyper aware of every little thing and Mm -hmm. how it comes together versus, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure for a lot of people that's why they like diets. It's like, okay, I can't eat carbs easy versus I can eat this if I am having this or this goes well with this or something like that. So I do wonder if it ever actually ends up being more harmful by by encouraging people to concentrate on like what's holistic and like, okay, if I'm having spaghetti with chickpeas, you know, that's okay. But I have to make sure I'm not just having spaghetti alone, but I can't be yeah. like overly critical and conscious of what you're eating, mm-hmm. I think also is harmful. Yeah, I agree. But I think that there's, it's more damaging to look at, you know, focus in on individual types of carbohydrate sources than just if you approach your your meal and say okay I'll have like I don't know don't you think that if you approach a meal with the mindset like okay I'm gonna have some protein and some carbs and some fats that's less restrictive than saying I can't have white rice because you know it's just refined carbs so I have to have quinoa right and I can't have any tomato sauce with sugar in it. Right. Like, I feel like that can get more orthorexic yeah, right. and controlling. You're right. You're right. I totally get that. Do you recommend, or maybe rather, what are your thoughts on detoxes or cleanses such as keto, paleo, intermittent fasting, Whole30, etc.? Do I recommend any of them? Yeah. It depends what your goal is. If someone were to ask me that, I would say no because they're all, it's all restrictive. Mm-hmm. And it's all a diet, like it's all, you're dieting, you know, regardless yeah. of whether or not you think an intermittent, yeah. you're, and you're placing very, very firm restrictions on, on what you can eat and when you can eat. Okay. So not even your goal, just like in general, I mean, people say, oh, I feel more energized after this or more focus and reduce whatever, whatever. Yeah. But I also have, I was telling you recently, kind of recently about. Uh, this new trending thing, SOS, salt, oil, sugar-free, vegan. Oh. It's like a type of vegan. Oh, like fat-free vegan kind of thing? No, no, no. Salt, oil, and sugar-free vegan. Yeah, I don't recommend that. Definitely <laughs> don't recommend that. Well, I'm just going to say, I think most people that start diets are looking to change their body in some way. Usually Lose losing weight, weight yeah. right? Um, so there's a couple of things we have to keep in mind. Um, the only way to lose weight is to be in a caloric deficit. So it doesn't really matter which diet you follow as long as it's getting you there. That being said, um, if you want to lose weight, you are going to be, by definition, you have to be restrictive. Um, and I think that's a whole other conversation we can have about, you know, the weight loss and diet culture. Mm -hmm. The Instagram diet culture is so saturated with mm-hmm. these fads. I think yeah. intermittent fasting used to be bigger. Yeah. Paleo used to be bigger. Keto used to be bigger. I know there's Pegan, which is paleo vegan. Yeah. Because I think it's just another way for people to implement control in a part of their lives that they feel so insecure in. Um. Okay, so it's it's just hard to it's hard to answer because. I think for some some people like when weight loss is necessary every every individual is different so you, I don't think there's one diet that's best or that's worst um but do you think they're all just like should not exist like if 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 a way to if people are if people's goal to lose weight is to be restrictive then why does it matter like why it's just different ways of restricting, right. and it's whichever different. way works, 
works for that individual and we're assuming this individual like actually needs to lose weight for a medical reason right sure i guess okay i'm thinking of like i mean sure you can think that i think the irony though is that the majority of people who are publicly participating in these diets or whatever uh-huh. are generally especially from like my feed it's like smaller thinner like white women who yeah. are doing these intermittent fasting things because they think that it like makes them yeah. feel more energized okay so people that are viewing these fad diets more as a lifestyle um yeah like as a way to progress and for some odd reason not eating until 2 p.m in the afternoon makes you feel better than you should be able to do it. I like, I don't know how genuine that is. Right. I was going to say that's the hardest thing is to separate. Like, does it make me feel better or does it make me feel better? Because I like the feeling of being hungry. Yeah. And really we, we, we can never really know that. So, um, I think what's the most important is that you're doing something sustainable and that you don't, especially if you're not, you know, trying to lose weight, you don't, you don't want to ever be, um, restricting yourself in any way. Um, so I would definitely steer away from those diets. A lot of vegans that I've encountered, whether they're vegan nutritionists, dietitians, or dietitians, or just vegans in general, are under the impression that veganism is the healthiest way to eat. So if you're ignoring the moral and ethical uh, and social justice related parts of veganism, just focusing on health, you agree that veganism is the best, healthiest way to eat. Um, no, and I think this is where you know, veganism really loses a lot of its its strength and its argument. Um, and ultimately, I think when vegans approach their argument from a nutrition kind of a place of like you know this is the the better diet like nutritionally, it's you're it's really detracting from the strength of the argument, which I believe to be you know the ethical part. Um, the reality is that you can definitely include animal products in your diet um unfortunately and still be healthy and um yeah perfectly healthy Mm -hmm. as long as you're not you know going overboard there has been a large correlation between processed meat and especially processed red meat and uh, colon cancer um and processed red meat has been shown to be carcinogenic if eaten in um, high amounts by process what do you mean uh like hamburgers hot dogs not that are not from like farm to table restaurant right right um and uh, in addition to that you know ma- the majority of saturated fat sources come from animal products um like egg yolks and any meat you get besides fish pretty much will have a lot of saturated fat unless they're lean cuts um and the only plant source that that is sat, uh, mostly saturated fat would be you know coconut um but you know, yes like i said previously unfortunately you can definitely include animal products as part of a balanced diet and be perfectly healthy as healthy as a vegan awesome and this final question is bringing us to our last part of this episode Uh, and the question is about processed versus quote-unquote whole foods so america gets 60 percent of their daily calories from ultra processed foods including pizza chips pastries and soda 
Um, and this was cited in a Washington Post article uh, just last year. Or I guess now that it's 2022, two years ago. Um, and I'm wondering, because I we grew up in a household, or at least I feel like we grew up in a household where like the word processed is really negative. And whether it's like processed or um, genetically modified or whatever, I think that it's interesting that it's like whole foods equals real food and then processed food is everything else. Mm-hmm. And that if you eat too much, like the whole the whole F, F, the efforts being to reduce your consumption of processed food. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm curious that what your thoughts about that binary process versus whole or real food, like you were, whether you agree, what your thoughts on are, mm-hmm. etc. Um, so inherently processed foods aren't any worse for you than whole foods. Um, it, it is true though that, you know, processed foods are often very highly palatable and, um, um, highly caloric which leads them to be easier to overeat mm-hmm. um, but you it like you can't just say that because it's processed process it's inherently bad for you like um, mock meats are incredibly processed but mock meats are not bad for you um, I don't know there's tons of examples that we can think of um, but just because they're not in their original whole food state doesn't make them inherently bad. Just because it's a whole food doesn't mean it's gonna have, it's gonna be more nutritious. Let's think of like, yeah, let's think of examples. Like, like chickpeas versus, I don't know, a Wendy's vegetarian burger. So we have to think about what else is in that Wendy's vegetarian burger. We have to look at the fiber content. We have to look at how many calories it's providing, how much fat, how much saturated fat. Um, You can't just say because the chickpea hasn't been smashed and ground and mixed with oil and breadcrumbs that it's it's inherently healthier. I would like, I guess my best advice would be to like forget whether it's whole foods or not, a whole food or not. And, And if you really want to compare for some reason the, the nutritional value of a food, just look at the, um, the the vitamins and minerals it's offering Mm. don't don't judge a food based on if it's been processed or not that's really good to know i was most excited about this in this episode to talk about organic food uh because maseo and i grew up in an environment in an exclusively organic buying household uh organic was the only way to buy produce the dirty dozen was referenced at supermarkets every you know all of that um and that said, I still know very little about the organic versus non-organic debates. My my mom growing up would always buy, my mom and my dad would always buy organic food. And I was under the impression that not only was that better, but I was su- basically, I think I, I felt superior to those who did not buy organic, which is really fucked up because it's such a sign of class since organic food is disgustingly more expensive. Um, but my thinking was if you're not eating organic, then you're swallowing pesticides and giving yourself cancer essentially. Um, so that said, does food being organic matter? Let's start. There's, I'm sure there's a lot of different perspectives of this. Um, but let's, let's answer just the health part. Um, does food being organic matter? And if it doesn't, why does everyone say it does? So I guess you can answer the health part, the 
environment if you want, labor conditions, whatever, but does organic matter? Okay. Um, yeah, I'll start with human health. Um, so the research that's been conducted, which is um, decades at this point since there's since organic has exist, uh, existed, has not found any significant difference um, um, between the health of individuals who consumed organic and conventionally grown produce. Um, here I'll just reference a quick study. Uh, an analysis of 17 studies looking at over 13,000 participants, some of which ate organic and some of which did not mm -hmm. compare biomarker levels and symptoms of atopic disease, found no significant difference between both groups. And only one study found significant difference between organic and conventional food, and this one concluded that eating organic meat in the winter increase the risk of illness from bacterial infections. Oh, interesting. So there's no, there's really no um, significant difference uh, of the effect on human health. And to understand this more, we have to look at a couple terms, which it might get a little confusing, so bear with me. So the NOAEL is the no observable adverse effect level, um, which means that over that, amount there there may be adverse uh, effects and they take this level when i say they i mean the usda they take this level to determine the adi which is the acceptable daily intake um, which is like how much you could consume every day and still not have any negative health consequences and so the adi is at hundreds to thousands of times below this noael uh, again the no observable adverse effect level to ensure that even if we're consuming you know, hundreds of doses, or doses, sorry, well, yeah, hundreds of doses or uh, servings of vegetables and fruits that do have pesticides on them, we're still way below the NOAEL. So there's tons of safety factors that are built in with this, within the system of food safety um, to ensure that even individuals that are consuming conventional, which I'll get into more further later, um, are still, there's no significant difference when it comes to pesticide um, um, concentration. Which brings me to my next point, which is that I think there's a big misconception that organic food and produce do not use any pesticides, which is not true. Organic is not necessarily pesticide-free. Um, the only thing that you cannot use if your products are certified organic in the United States are synthetic pesticides, but there are plenty of natural pesticides that they can use. And oftentimes these natural pesticides must be used in larger amounts because they're less effective and sometimes even less safe than the synthetic alternatives. So some examples of these natural pesticides are, you know, copper-based pesticides, uh, neem oil, which is actually toxic to humans, and organic produce also tends to be higher in heavy metals. So, so yeah, Orga organic food is, is produces no more healthy than, um, conventionally farmed foods and we see this also in the nutrient content as well i'd like to add thank you so much that's really good to know uh and i also hear that like from a vegan perspective people say eat organic because that's better for the environment and kinder to animals is that true this is also it's and it's really frustrating me because this is also a big misconception so because organic food is not allowed to use synthetic um pesticides and fertilizers fertilizers they have to rely on natural fertilizers and where do these natural fertilizers come from? They come from animal sources. Right. So they come from oh. blood meal and bone meal and fish and manure. And this is 
these are all byproducts of the animal agriculture industry. So by buying organic, you're directly funding and profiting the animal agriculture industry, which has its own load of ethical issues, not to mention the very significant environmental impact it has. Um, so there's really not any reason to buy organic from a health perspective. And in fact, there's a reason not to buy it from an ethical perspective. So hopefully this changes your mind. So not only is organic not better, but it's also not as good. Right. Basically. Right. Basically. That's crazy. It's, it's really crazy. Also the amount of money I've wasted. I know. And that's the other thing. I mean, think about the, the, the price point and the, the difference. Yeah. Like, for example, buying a pound of organic strawberries each week would cost you about $26 more per year than buying non-organic. And that can really add up if you account for all the produce. For those of you who know about the Dirty Dozen... Yeah, that's... Oh, yeah, I just brought it up, but we didn't talk about it. Yeah, there's a few things I'd like to talk about there. Um, So the Dirty Dozen is, is created by the EWG, the Environmental Working Group, which... And it uses USDA data. Um... And for those of you who do not know, the Dirty Dozen is basically, it's uh, the top dozen produce items, fruits and vegetables that supposedly contain the most pesticides and, you know, the ones you should avoid. Um, So what most people don't know is that the EWG, to create the Dirty Dozen, all they do is count the number of pesticides on each type of produce, meaning they don't take into account... um, the amount used or toxicity mm-hmm. level. So literally, like, if they compare, like, a strawberry and a blueberry, and the strawberry has five different types and the blueberry has two different types, they'll say the strawberry is more, you know, toxic. But they don't look at the amount or dose used. Not to mention the EWG is also funded by a bunch of different brands that are primarily sell that are primarily selling organic um, items. So there's that bias in addition. If you're not yet convinced... Um, in terms of yield, which is another thing to take in, into account when talking about environmental impact, um, organic farming tends to have lower yield. Can you explain what yield is? Yield, the amount produced. And there's a problem when we were talking about land use, right? Using more land to grow the same amount of food as conventional. And so I'd, I'd like to mention that. And also due to the, due to the fertilizers that are used um, in organic farming, organic runoff can be worse than conventional. And this is do like I said earlier because of that over application of natural pesticides because they're less effective than the synthetic ones Um, so why would you ever eat organic I don't understand so I think the 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 organic myth um is part of that naturalistic fallacy and it plays into I mean first of all it's getting you to pay more right for the same thing a lot more a lot more um but I think, you know, people see the word organic and natural and just like the whole foods versus process thing and the, and the artificial sweeteners versus natural sweeteners, you know, we assume that because they're more, they're closer to the real thing right. or less processed or whatever, they're healthier. Um, just one, one more thing I want to talk about was antibiotic resistance. For those of you who do not know, um, antibiotics are medicines that kill or stop the growth of bacteria, and antibiotic resistance happens when bacteria develop 
the ability to survive or grow despite being exposed to antibiotics designed to kill them. Oh, interesting. Okay. And so why is this dangerous? Um, antibiotic resistance leads to higher medical costs, uh, prolonged hospital stays, increased mortality. Um, and the problem, you know, as it relates to organic farming is that while antibiotics are not permitted in organic meat, all animals contain bacteria in their gut naturally. And unfortunately, when these animals are slaughtered and processed for meat, the resistant bacteria in their gut can contaminate meat or other animal products. And in addition, animal feces that are used in organic farming um, as fertilizers, like I mentioned earlier, can contain resistant bacteria and get onto the surrounding environment. So we have a situation where, you know, these natural fertilizers that are deemed more na uh, more healthy are are actually contributing to um, antibiotic resistance, which is actually a really prevalent issue now. Hmm. I had no idea. Yeah. Thank you so, so much for, for offering that wisdom today. Of course, yeah, of course. Are you ready to move on to some fun questions? I'm ready questions? to move on. All right, now moving on to some fun questions. In one sentence, please share your food or nutrition philosophy. Go. Always question the information that you are presented. And how do I know if information is reliable? I would look um, firstly for the studies that they reference. Um, you know, you also want to make sure that they have a, some sort of a background. Um, right the information they're presenting can you please list your top three uh or the sorry the top three nutrition misconceptions vegan related or not that anger you the most um okay so i would say the first one would be just recently organic is healthier than conventional the second one relating to veganism is that vegans can't get enough protein. That is very frustrating. And I would say the third one is that sugar is bad for you. That's a big one. That that, mm -hmm. that makes me a little mad too. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Maseo. Our last question today, as you know, this podcast is titled Ineffable Goodness. So if you could leave us on a positive note, what is something today that was ineffably good? Today I went for a run um, around the reservoir and I just love watching my dog Nola run <laughs> because she's so cute. She is so cute. Awesome. Where can everyone find you if they have any more questions or want to talk? So you can find me at uh, Maseo underscore H underscore V on Instagram. Great. Thank you again for taking the time to be here with us today. Do you have anything else you'd like to share? No, just uh, thank you so much for having me. You know, I appreciate your efforts to, um, you know, come all the way downstairs. I actually went upstairs. Well, actually upstairs, then downstairs. Because I went upstairs first. I'm going to take a quick nap in your bed. Okay. Peace, everyone. Bye.